So that's what I want to do to start, actually. Um, the way yeah. I like to do this is just um, I'm going to read your bio. But in, okay. the, in the meantime, though, um, we're just going to, uh, you know, kind of embarrass you a little bit by just throwing up. Your, yes. Throwing up your Love picture while I, while I read that. Can you see that okay? Yeah, I'm happy I didn't wear that shirt today because that would have been weird. <laughs> right. So we're going to get into these shirts in a minute because the shirts are a big story. I think there's no question. And uh, you've inspired me to find something I can immediately stand out with. But so, 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 so Chris, Chris is the chief business officer at media tech startup whereby.us uh, or whereby us, as we say, an active investor and advisor for startups and social impact focused philanthropic community leaders. So I can't wait to talk about your impact, social impact focused uh, investing and activity that you do in, this, in the startups and companies that you're a part of. I think that's the really cool part of your story. Before joining the team at Whereby Us, he spent eight years at 1-800-Flowers.com, expanding their corporate partnerships and digital gifting business across several roles in the organization, going from 500 million to 1 billion over those years that you were there. On the community side, Chris is a founding partner in Social Ventures Partners Miami, a nonprofit fund focused on strategic investments in Miami's social impact organizations, which launched in 2017. He, he lends his time as a mentor and advisor at the Watson Institute, uh, Binghamton University, Miami-Dade College, multiple local startups, and any entrepreneurs that express an interest in having a positive social impact. Uh, he's an active investor in Epic Games. This is a good, pretty good list you got going here, by the way, in terms of the companies that you're either. You I've know, been lucky. Invest, yeah, you've got your investor in Epic Games, Whereby Us, of course, Acorns, Caribou, Binsky, and always looking to kickstart new ideas. Uh, you have an MBA and a BS from uh, Binghamton University, probably mispronounced that, and resides in Miami with his wife, uh, Randy, and, and son, Ryder, um, with his vibrant collection of Hawaiian shirts. Um, which you haven't missed a day wearing one, one of these shirts uh, since December 1st, 2016. Well, tell me about real quick, December 1st, 2016, <laughs> what was going on uh, November 30th? Like, was this a Christmas gift or what's going on with that date? My wife got me a, one of these shirts. It's called Jams World a couple of years before yeah. that, actually. I didn't know they were like, had more than one. Yeah. And I had met Shep Gordon the week, week, week prior to that. You know who Shep Gordon is? He's like the major, like, uh, artist manager and, and music manager and chef manager. Anyway, I was at his birthday party randomly in Miami and he pulls me and said, Hey, is that a jam shirt? And I go, yeah. How do you know? He said, my neighbor owns a company. I'm like, there's more of these shirts. He's like, yeah, there's thousands of them. I said, okay, so I'm going to start buying them on eBay. So I bought like 10, um, that night and they came like literally the next week and it was Art Basel. So I'm like, Oh, Art Basel, perfect time to wear some artsy shirts. So I started wearing these shirts and literally everyone just stopped me and saying, Hey, that's a really amazing shirt. I go, thank you. And then instantaneous new person to talk to and have an easy open lines. So I'm like, maybe I should wear these as my uniform for, for a little bit and see how it goes. So I did. And I started buying more and more of them. And they have a crazy amount of collections from the 60s on until today. So um, my closet pretty much got stocked up. And about five months into it, my dad had lost his memory. Um, he has since got it back, but he didn't wow. know who anybody was for a, a good couple months. Okay. So, but he knew the shirts. He's like, I know that guy. That's my son. He wears the really? shirts. Really? So I was like, all right, now this is just a thing. I'm going to do this forever. Um, wow. At least my dad gets his memory back, um, which he got back a couple months later. Um, and now I just haven't stopped because it's just, there's so many benefits to having a uniform that I can go on about that. Oh man. I, first of all, so many things to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> first of all, like, I love the idea of a uniform, obviously less to think about what a, I try to do that myself. I've got like seven shirts, I think, and I just rotate through those seven shirts and I, and I've maybe, 
even less pants, right? Like I love that. Uh, <laughs> Who's wearing pants these days? Oh, yeah, in the man, quarantine. Yeah, right. You're right. You're exactly right. But I just love that piece. But then to have something, um, something that's so signature for yourself, uh, I think is um, is pretty cool. But that's a big bold move, man. Were, were you were you kind of a loud dresser before that? at all no i'm a, i'm a new yorker so i moved to miami eight years ago yeah. and i don't think i've been doing this in new york unless it's like really in the creative world yeah. um and in miami you know there's kind of no, no rules here yeah um and i work in in media so it's pretty much like i'm i'm building community wherever i go and it helps me just get recognized yeah. i remember that person and well first of all it's wonderful well, yeah. first of all i mean you you come instantly your people your the interpretation is this is a nice guy and this is a fun First of all, like you already, you know, you have a nice smile on that stuff, but, but like, <laughs> this is somebody that is going to be friendly and I'm going to like automatically. So that's kind of cool right there to get a, to get a relationship uh, started. And um, what a, what a cool thing to stumble across. I guess it's, I can't do it now. Right. So what, well, now that you've done you can it, do it, no, 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 I'm trying to get more people just take it, run with it because literally everyone sees you and, and they smile. Yeah. And if yeah. you can start that, it's, that relationship with a smile, you, it's much, much easier to become yeah. friends and, and just have a nice smile and go home with. So, hey, someone got a smile, great. I'm, I'm now, pretty happy with that. The one you've got on tonight, today, is not, not exactly Hawaiian. It's kind of like a, like a 90s thing going on. What's, what's the, uh, yeah, they, yeah. they kind of got off in this like geometric patterns in the 80s and 90s, which I actually tend to wear more of now. Okay. Uh, they kind of go a, a, bit, a bit easier with everything. And the Hawaiian just I save for like, you know, weekends. So okay. I go floor on weekends and weekdays I'll go like geometric and like artist design type stuff. So yeah, there you go. There's a piece of content from the Miami Herald a couple of years back and uh, yeah. that's my collection uh, and it's grown ever since then. Now I have a whole closet, nothing, nothing but those shirts, little, nothing else. You, you, great. you can't find a button down shirt that isn't a jam shirt. In if there. people don't watch anything else from this show, just the idea of, of getting some kind of uh, unique identity, no matter what it is, I think is a cool thing, whether it's your shoes or your shirt or your, like you got the hat or the thing, or just, it could even not even be a physical item of clothing. It can just be being known for something, pick, pick, make sure it's a good pick, <laughs> but uh, yeah, standing out and separating is is it's super important i yeah. kind of say like you have to go find your hawaiian shirt yeah and it doesn't need to be a shirt it could be literally anything that, that you do that is consistent so when you do yeah. a consistent you know thing or thing yeah. that you're known for it really helps you stand out stand so up. that's really important right. to remember and it could be anything it can be like hey i'm really good at doing podcasts i'm really yeah at, you're the uh, podcast you know, guy making, or you're the you're the podcast guy i'm really good at making playlists on spotify you become this, this spotify playlist guy and i'm going hey i'm going to that guy for music yeah. and that really gives you a, a, something to, to lean on no matter what you're doing in your whole life well for sure then the big takeaway of that is to make sure you pick something that you really love <laughs> because yeah, if, once you go, for sure. once you get pegged on it you're it's it's gonna stick right and oh uh, man i'm the english muffin guy oh, no <laughs> i have to eat english muffins every day of my life <laughs> well, Chris, this is awesome. We're going to take a quick break. I want to, uh, we're going to do a quick thing with my sponsor and then we're going to come back and we're going to dive in um, where by us and I want you to tell us all about it. But then here's the other big preview for the show, right? So the big ask, the big message of uh, the big theme of, to, of this interview is really going to be around um, advice that we can give people uh, in today's economy. Uh, and, you know, um, and, you've, and you brought up this topic when you and I talked in advance about our topic this idea of uh, social, social capital um, mm -hmm. and the idea that a way for folks to, this is not a great selling environment right now, right? So right. the idea that, um, that uh, you know, we could be, you could be out there 
frankly, giving away social capital. And I don't want to steal the thunder on this, but this is what we're going to talk about later. And I thought that was a really cool piece that we're going to get into. Um, And uh, let's do it. So um, real quick, I want to talk about our sponsors. So Executive Launch is a sponsor of of our podcast, has been for a few weeks. And this is frankly just geared towards uh, folks that have been an executive in a company or in an industry for a good number of, of years or sometimes decades. And I know a lot of these guys and gals, uh, um, men and men and women professionals who have, uh, you know, poured themselves into their industry and into their companies and have learned their space and their product and know it inside and out and built all those relationships um, and, you know, and frankly make great money and a great living, um, but know that they, there's more that they can do. And they frankly wonder if, uh, you know, is this really where it's going and, and, and do they ultimately get to make their highest, best use and, and full self-actualization, as I like to say, and, 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 and be all that they can be with full potential. And almost all of these folks that I talk to kind of dream about being a startup founder or the idea of launching their company. It could be anything from like, I want to be my own boss, get tired of the politics and work for other people. It could be as simple as that, just, you know, opening up shop for yourself, right? Uh, all the way to um, wanting to actually, you know, put a dent in the universe and and bring something really special and unique to the world, right? So that's what Executive Launch is all about and everything from, um, you know, from small groups to, to services companies with teams, physical products, virtual products, e-commerce, software companies, um, and all the way to retail and, and geographic based companies, right? So this is kind of a turnkey business in a box. And I like to say it, it you know, executives can be startup founders too, right? And, uh, and you're never at any certain age to not be a startup founder, right? The average age for a startup founder, people don't realize it's really in their 40s. You might know this, Chris. Uh, the, mm-hmm. I've seen the stats, I don't have it on hand, but literally I think the average age of a startup founder is like early 40s. People just don't know that but it's actually true with like kids and stuff. And like, that's really where it happens because they've gained the confidence and the experience and they've probably gained a little bit of a, of a nest egg that they can work with right? Um, and the clients and the network, right. And the confidence, right. So that's what, that's what executive, uh, executive launch is all about. All right. Okay. So, so Chris, I want to, I want to get into, um, where by us. And again, I can't wait to get into this idea of social capital, um and all that your some of your personal missions in life which is going to be great but before we get there let's talk about whereby us what it does um the product the company i see you're raising money on republic.co but you've already got a good amount of money raised i also noticed and you've got some name brand investors already in this deal so anybody that gets on this now is really uh joining a great uh, a great group so tell us about whereby us yeah we actually just closed today so uh, it's great. capped off well so. then i'll just close this and we'll move on <laughs> No, no, we did good. We did about 150K on Republic and uh, we're going to raise probably around in, in the coming months to do a Series A. So good timing to introduce people to our platform. Um, we have definitely innovated from our, from our prior platform to becoming more of a back-end SaaS for all newsletters. So building a content brand is like really hard, especially now. And even having old ones that are legacy brands, they don't really invest a lot in, in their community growth or newsletter growth. Um, usually that job is like left for dead. So what we've built is the back end to help you drive growth and also drive money to, to sustain your growth um, by making this platform for putting sponsors into your newsletters as well as working with them in a full, you know, kind of, when I say SaaS, there's two SaaSs. One is software, which we've built for the back end. And the second one is a sales team as a service. So we give them a full sales team to run and sell their sponsorships across their entire media company. Um, a lot of times folks, 
that the newsletter is kind of like a last resort, so you don't yeah. really sell it. It's kind of like either free or they put it ad free. Um, and we've seen our five brands that we own, we used to be just be a publisher, and now we're coming to back end for publishers. Um, they solely lived on just newsletter sponsorships, which you can yeah. do and pay a salary of one to two people, which is wonderful. Um, so we're launching this actually in two weeks for our first customer and we have a very long wait list um, and signed about 10 already to, to, to contracts to be our, our second cohort. Um, so we're really pumped to have this in the world and anyone who wants to apply to be a, a partner with ours will have it be a very public facing you know, platform probably in six months from now. Chris, so really excited. Chris, I mean, and this is fantastic. I have a question. So yeah. are these newsletters, I think I know the answer to this, but are these newsletters, do you help me monetize my newsletter in my community or do I join into the one that you already have? No, yes, this is for folks who are already saying their own newsletters okay. or want to start from scratch, either okay. one. Um, we built all the templates to help you scale and grow your business to becoming, you know, one that can be sustaining. So yeah, you bring your audience over to ours, our platform and use all our tools that we built for our current brands. So basically our, our own operated companies that we own that are five publications are now on our platform. And for years we had a tool set that we offered to them, but it wasn't public facing. So after being asked many, many times by, by partners, Hey, can we use your backend? We're like, no, not, not really. We're like, well, now is the good time anyway to say, hey, let's actually make it public. Um, and in, in this, you know, procession maybe hitting, um, it's going to be even more important to have some sort of like basis for how you can sustain your livelihood as a as a as a content creator. And this can be any any content creation medium. It could be you as a you know a personal life coach or, or a consultant. It can be a media company who's doing daily news publication. It can be um, a chamber of commerce who's trying to engage their their readers. There's really a, multiple ways to kind of like slice this up. So really excited about the long-term possibility that we can grow into. So you learned all this with the the new trop the new tropic newsletters. Uh, you got you guys cut your teeth. Yeah. So you you figured out you kind of cracked the code on how to how to how to monetize this platform that way. And then I also noticed you've got a bit of a growth plan here too, right? Looks like uh, mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. just from you going from email. Then soon we've got SMS and and uh, CMS integration, and that's what's cool too. Yeah, we think it's really important to be flexible and kind of like working with each publication's you know existing models. So we don't want to say, "Hey, use all our tools." Let's let's plug into what we're using already and kind of adapt to yeah. that, and then use use our tool set to help you grow and expand upon that. So we think down the line it, it could be you know who knows what's going to happen ten years from now, but you know maybe we become you know the Shopify of backend for content. Maybe we become a Salesforce type thing. Who knows? But right, um, right now it seems like it's needed in the content production world so dearly. Because, uh, yeah. you know, from even people going from print to digital, that is still a long transition that has not been solved yet. Uh, there are a ton of newspapers that are going out of business or really down to like the bare bones that have not made that change yet. And this is gonna actually be the exact time that that's gonna end. So you're gonna see a lot of people who have been printing papers not come back from this. It's gonna end. Yeah. Um, and that, that is a lot of money that they, they've been relying on for many, many years of print advertisers um, to go into a digital format. And the best way to do that is to do a newsletter. Um, yeah. Not having to think about a full you know, online magazine or newspaper, start with a newsletter, build okay. it out of that, and then make your content on top of that. So that's what we did in our, how we started our publications up from zero. But if you already have an audience, much easier to convert them into making that a thing. That's, that's fantastic. And, and that's where, you know, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually exploring just because I'm trying to build up my, um, you know, audience as well with the plan your start and so forth. So I've, uh, I've got, 
uh, this on my list of things to implement soon. So this is great that I have an inside uh, connection. Uh, <laughs> I know a guy. You know a guy. <laughs> I got a guy. This is fantastic. And uh, so, um, and then, and then, so I think it's, I think it's really good. And uh, and in the show notes, we're gonna in the show notes, we're gonna have. Um, a little bit about that and, and a link out for people to be able to find the website and get, and get signed up. They can basically get on the, uh, is it a waiting list? Is that what I saw or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Just join the list and then I'll, I'll get that and I'll be probably giving them a call. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, direct to me. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay. So uh, let's go into, um, uh, Chris, I want to get in a little bit into your background earlier. You shared something that I don't even think you, you kind of let slip earlier, you know, your first, uh, maybe not your first job, but that CVS, uh, store mm -hmm. manager job. <laughs> oh, wow. That was so, a learning experience. That's for sure. So people probably don't even know that when I got that's I got a scoop on that, uh, indirectly just on the chit chat prior to starting, <laughs> uh, but, but I wanted to get your, your, your background. And, and one of the things I'm committed to with, with, in a, to give you some context with, with entrepreneurship, right? Uh, and I, uh, you know, I, I, with the class that I teach at University of South Florida, I bring in a, a, a founder, um, entrepreneur every, every week. And, and I tell them, ask them to tell me their story uh, from, you know, basically from high school, college kid, all the way to where they are successful today. And to talk about the ups and the downs, and especially the downs and the struggles, right? So one of the things I like to do is, is have people that I interview and talk to, to, to really um, emphasize some of the struggles and setbacks along the way, because that oh, sure. to me is the most inspiring thing for aspiring people that are out there on the struggle. They're trying to do it. Uh, hearing more about all your great success and how things just rolled into place. It's actually demotivating in a way, right? Whereas, <laughs> wow, here's a guy who's kind of who's made it to a really cool level. Um, and then where I'd like to be. And, uh, but wow, you know, uh, but when not, he, he actually went through some tough things to get there. So if you don't mind, just maybe pick it up wherever you'd like and tell us. Oh, my life goes back to failure from a young kid. If you want to go back that far. <laughs> really? I mean, I was, oh yeah. Um, in high school, I was cut from my, my, my team for baseball twice. Uh, ended up the third time transferring high schools and get, getting a starting gig and got a college scholarship for baseball to college. And then in college, I transferred again and got cut from a, a third team. So I was, I would cut three times for my teams in college or high school. Um, wow. all while still getting a free education. So that was a quick interjection. How, how bad yeah. those, how bad did those hit home for you? Did, you know, Oh my God, I was distraught, distraught. Yeah. I mean, because another, another side story, uh, when I was 12 or 10, I was this big. So I was five foot 11, 210 pounds as a 10 year old. Uh, I played for team USA in the, in the 94 junior Olympics in China. So I was like a prospect at that point of, of, so of you my life. The one that everybody, you know, like this, this kid, like all, all kind of expectations just were like, yeah, on this. through the roof. And then I got to high school and everyone called to me, every single person passed me. So I had to like fight tooth and nail to like, just wow. to stay even. And, uh, deal, with, and deal with the expectation I worked, problem. I worked a lot in high school to like get back to like where I was like, all right, now I'm back in the game. Um, I, you know, and that takes a lot of dedication. And I ended up giving up in college, actually. The, 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 like junior year of college, I ended up saying, you know what, I think it's time that I move on and just focus on schooling, um, which I was thankfully a great student. Uh, so, but I worked my, my tail off from a young child to becoming into college to get where I was. Um, and I, I took that lesson um, that if you want something so bad enough, you need to work literally like 12 hours a day for it. So I would get up 6 a.m. every day. My dad hit baseballs when I was a kid. And then after school, same thing, five, six hours a night. Uh, literally, I lived in, 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 in pre-baseball. Um, but, you know, 
also, you know, school is important to me too. Thankfully, school came relatively, you know, I didn't, I liked it. So I like to like learn. I love to read. I love to study. Um, I was good at remembering things, which is, I guess, an asset in test taking is memorizing stuff. So, you know, in college, you just, you're cramming. That's a thing you do in college. You just cram into your brain and you put it out onto a test. Um, but you know, I wasn't like the, I wasn't like the leading scholar in college. I was it was good, but you know, not great. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, I, I had I had like I had six or seven jobs before I found my like my calling now, which is which is where by us. It's for five years in now. Um, but my first job, as I said, was at CVS Pharmacy. I was yeah. in the manager. How do we go from program. CVS to entrepreneur? Startup. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. All my jobs were entrepreneurial, actually, in big corporations. So at CVS, I was in the in the training program to become a manager at the store. So my job was to go to every store that was failing and turn it around and learn from what they were doing wrong. Um, so I was in my first store was Times Square Manhattan, twenty uh, four hour store. So seeing like what a mess that place was and how they were going through dealing with like literally every day was a crisis. Like someone was robbing us. Someone was homeless sleeping in the corner. You know, uh, <laughs> employees were, were, were revolting. Employees were fighting each other, not coming to work. I'm doing we're stealing from once. the store. <laughs> stealing from us. My friends are coming still from two in the morning, you know, like, like <laughs> robbing from like, I'm going to drink some snacks. Um, so yeah, you know, I learned literally every lesson that you learn in running a business in those first two years of working, um, which also made me know that I don't work at retail ever again. So <laughs> that was a lesson that I had to learn yeah. early. Retail is one of the hardest jobs to, to be in. I mean, most yeah. folks don't understand retail and restaurants because uh, you're getting all people who are coming at you cold. You have no backstory of people coming into, into your place before you get to them. Well, I, know some venture, I know some venture capitalists famously won't invest in someone unless they've been in food service or retail yeah, as it's a young person, smart. right? Because they, they just didn't, you didn't prove your, your you didn't really prove your stripes. You, you haven't proved your stripes enough if you haven't done one of those two really tough jobs. I really, I, I love that idea because I, as a kid, I was like, you know, what works the hardest, these diner uh, waitresses and waitresses, and the waiters, they're always like, they're managing 10 things at once. That's how I want to all, all, all waiters and waitresses from diners. That's they right. can just remember things and like get you the food and, and take orders and like they're doing 10 things at once. Uh, and that's what you have to do in a store, but basically be able to multitask and also yeah. like co- 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 like put things in different compartments. So yeah. you kind of like do your job in different, different. How did you, how did you stumble out of that world of that never was going to lead you you would think theoretically never lead you to you know to entrepreneurship startup world and ultimately a successful and like how did how did you how did you level out of that yeah i ended up taking a job at a startup with my, my friend from college which was a terrible idea never started a startup with your best friend from college uh we did it for a year in 2006 and it, it went belly up <laughs> it was crazy uh, and thankfully uh i got recruited by 100 flowers at the time they had, they had they're a public company but still a growing startup because they're building things as they came about and i love that job because i got to become you know a salary employee at a company that can support me but also one of the trying new things at all times so they were always on the cusp of something new they were the first company to do customer service over social media they were the first company to, to make digital flowers and sell them in a second life environment they were the first company to basically kind of like build their product suite on an e-commerce business that was not even existing back then. So they were, you know, websites were not a thing in the 90s that were even selling this. So they say, you know what, we're going to buy this this phone number, right? It's crazy phone number. Yeah. And link our flower shops to it. And then, hey, let's I remember, go buy a website. I remember a lot of that. You're right. I, I that, They have this really uh, kind of what uh, their name, uh, to me, just almost doesn't sound 
sophisticated. <laughs> sorry, no. But they always were. They were always doing like they were always doing like the interesting things. I remember that about the brand. I really do. They understood SEO before it was even a thing. Yeah, which is amazing. So once you understand like how people find you, that's your first leg up. And then once you get there, you gotta stay there. So what they did was they kept bringing quality service to people. So yeah. back in the 90s, you couldn't go find a flower shop in a town. You couldn't do it. You had to like call a friend who lived there and say, hey, what's the best flower shop in town? You couldn't Google it, right? right. Uh, and then by the time you got the internet, um, you couldn't go send them, you know, or you have to go call them, put the order on the phone. So they, they're always ahead of that game. Um, and now they, they bought, they own like 15 or 20 companies under one umbrella that yeah. all kind of the entire gifting system that they have set up now is really smart. So they've thrived throughout the you know, ups and downs. I was there during the, during the downturn. So I saw that business tank. Wow. So you were there during a downturn, but then somehow you started rising in the ranks. It sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I worked hard to kind of like find new ways to make money for us. So I was on the corporate partnership side. So my job was to go find new partners to work with to basically get in their back end work programs, employee discount programs, corporate sales. Um, and the corporate sales world actually was the biggest one hit in, 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 the, in the 08, 09 kind of a drop in the economy yeah, because yeah. the first thing you cut is, is like, you know, flowers and gifts. You're not saying flowers and gifts when your company is hurting. Right. Um, so we had to find a way to make money and I actually launched their, their e-gift card program, which wasn't a thing back then. So people are buying gift cards instead of anything else. They're like, oh, long term, I'll get a discount now. I'll use it maybe a year from now, yeah. um, which you know, was not a big thing back then. But now it's you know, second nature. Um, but I, I was allowed to like experiment and kind of test new ways to make money for us. So that was always great with them. They always said, hey, you know, test it out. Does it work? All right, then we'll run with it. So for, kudos to having that job. But after eight years there, I kind of got you know, a little like the routine is the same. It's like Christmas. And Valentine's Day and Mother's Day. That was the three big days we had to like ramp up for. And it was the exact same thing every year. Do I, I, like, smell, right. do I smell somebody started planning their exit? Like there was an exit? <laughs> oh, I was uh, 100%. 100%. I ended up moving to Miami uh, while I was working there. I got married. And my wife, the first day she said, listen, New York's not for me anymore. I'm moving back to Miami. And I'm like, uh, snowing outside, middle of January. I'm good with that. Let's, uh, let's, let's do Miami. Um, so I started like the whole like, the Tim Ferriss model where I said, Hey, can I work from home for like one day a week to see if right. it works out? Uh, and eventually, you know, they got to trust me from doing that. And I said, I'm moving to Miami. They're like, all right, well, the, you know, work from home. It's like, you're doing corporate sales. You can do it anywhere you want. And this is in 2012. That was not a thing. You know, re being remote is not really a very common thing. So I kind of like said, Hey, I'm going to try this out. And my, I was actually more productive being home than I was in the office. Because the hours you save, and oh, now yeah. this is even more important, all commuting, walking around, talking yeah. to people, you blow through hours like nothing. It's crazy. Yeah. We're all experiencing so, that now. I mean, everybody's kind of people that are, a lot of us already knew it because a lot of us have been working from home and for a while uh, on and off and we kind of get that. But then people are being forced to experience it now. A lot of people are having an aha moment with this whole, uh, the, the productivity that can be happening. Now, it's completely offset if you have little kids at home. And you, but if you, can, if you can get your home situation set, um, it's, it's dramatic, the kind of productivity you can gain, right? For sure, for sure. And our company is fully virtual, it always has yeah. been. So for five years, we've been building systems for, for a fully virtual workforce, which really takes a lot of work. And you have to really build in the culture moments that you don't that you miss out from that being in the same city or being in the same office atmosphere, um, yeah. which we didn't realize. We, we knew it, but we didn't realize it until we went fully virtual, which is about two and a half years ago. Um, so you'll pay no more office space fees. And that was, you know, it's expensive. And we were spending like, 
I don't know, $30,000 a month across five cities. That adds up for a startup real fast. Absolutely. Um, so you were, so, so you, you managed to get yourself working from home at 1-800-Flowers, but you, at this point you were, you, you, you had gotten some um, leeway because you were, you were kind of a results producer and you mm -hmm. leveraged that into getting a great uh, flexible work setup, right? But yeah. it sounds like, okay, so, but you, but you, you had a, um, a next move in mind. Right. I did. I had left them in 2015 and, and yeah. right after the Christmas holiday, uh, I went to start up a, an agency in Miami for a New York company, uh, which did not go well. I failed terribly at it. I was not a good at selling agency marketing work at so all. Wait a minute. You, you, you kind of just made the, the quit uh, to, to just to step out there and to and start something. And, and that's what you did. Is that right? You just, you I did. I did. I mean, I had a really good job there. I was making six figures for many, many years. And I took a chance to say, this is a new company. I want to start in Miami. I wanted to get involved in the city I was living in. I got, I got kind of like stir crazy by not being involved in the place I lived in. I wanted to get my hands dirty. Um, so I decided to take the job and say, I will start this thing for your, for your company. Uh, I was fired within six months. I was just, just didn't know what I was getting into. I had no idea what I was doing, like starting from scratch and selling an agency model of business. I was like, right, this so is, this takes me, it was, it'll, it'll, it'll take me two years to learn this. And they didn't have that time to, to give me. So this is where I've got to do a shameless plug for myself, which I don't always do. Hey, go ahead. So, yeah. So, so you know the book that I just, you know the book that I just wrote. There you go. You know the book that I just wrote, right? So what I like about this is that now, first of all, you've now officially hit my list as having uh, one of my great uh, quit story uh, people that I don't always know who they are. I'm collecting those people because I'm going to launch a separate podcast. It's going to be like audio only and a more classic produced podcast of, of quit stories, right? But you, you've got a great one here. But what I love about what I, your story is that you, you did everything like um, you, you kind of, uh, you know, wish you'd have gone back. You, you wish you could go back and do it a little differently. Like you were definitely, you were destined to leave. It's just a matter of you, you could have picked a uh, different thing and a different approach, right? Like that's the only thing. 100%. You had anything 100%. else except for the right thing to do. Definitely, definitely. Well, I, I took a chance and it was something I wanted to learn myself. I wanted to learn so much about digital media and how agencies work and how they work their brands and how they expanded things. Like the whole tech behind that, I really did not know. So I got a boot camp in it for those six months um, and, they, and they paid me very well. So that was great. Uh, and then they fired me. Um, so I was kind of lost there for a couple months. Like I went, I moved to Asheville, Carolina, North Carolina for a few months with my wife. And I just walked the woods for a couple months and like deep soul <laughs> searching. You, you went into I, the wilderness. I went into the wilderness. I, I, I hired a, a therapist, which I would say everyone should get a therapist. Cause like something having something impartial is super yeah. important because you, your wife can't be a therapist and, and your wife at the same time. Uh, it just does not work for your relationship because yeah. everyone goes that crazy. Would more than, that would have been more than Randy signed on for. Yeah. She was not having, so no, no, no. You, you call Dr. Nick. I'm, I'm calling Dr. Nick. Okay. It's funny. This is my um, second show back to back where a therapist was involved and in, uh, helping. An super needed. Yeah. So my therapist helped me understand what I really wanted to do. And I really wanted to build community. I was like, I want to be involved in the city again, back to like, I want this connection with people. And in Miami, they had just started the, the new tropic like a few months earlier. And I had met the founders uh, for my foundation and became friends with them. And we were having lunch, just going through, like, I, I would book a lunch every day. By the way, when I was unemployed, I had lunch wow. every day with someone I didn't know. So I was, wow. I knew them, but like, I wanted to get to know them better. So I understand, hey, what do you do for a living? How can I learn what you're doing? Maybe it's for me. So like the whole like, you know, like learning a job every day of your life is something that you should do. If you don't know what you want to do is like learn, learn what you don't want to do. So I did that. And 
from that lunch, he was like, I, I want to grow this company. I want to open in new cities. I want to scale this. Who should I hire to do this? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go through my Rolodex for friends and family that I know that do sales. I'm like, wait a minute. I could do that. And he's like, you want this job? I'm like, yeah, let's do it, man. So that lunch turned into a job and I invested in the company like shortly after that with um, some dollars I had saved that I thought was a really, really good, you know, thing to get my hands into. And I wanted to have, you know, best interest into it too. So I really put my money where my mouth was by investing in this company. So I am tied to this company, you know, forever now um, as wow. an employee and also as an investor, which I think if you can do that, it's a really good thing to do. If you, if you don't want to, <clears throat> if you can save some money and invest in a company and then work there, that's the dream scenario because you have a reason to work really hard. Yeah. And a lot of people, you don't have the reason as an employee only. You don't have the reason to work really hard for a company. Um, I didn't have that reason at 100 Flowers. I didn't have the reason at CVS. I didn't, I, I didn't have a reason at my agency. None, none of them give me equity in the company. Yep. So it was important to have equity in some shape or form in a company that you join or you start yourself. So that was huge for me. That's, uh, that's the skin of the game, right? So I, I got to add, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm uh, almost hearing Chris uh, Saka's story right now, right? Do you, you know Chris, Chris Saka? <laughs> yeah. right? you know, he, like he, a lot, of the, a lot of the similar things that you did, Chris, Chris Saka talked about doing in his uh, rise, right? Um, and because uh, he interviewed, he kept networking his way and he, and he kind of, um, you know, wanted to like, and he ended up investing in with, with, with little money that he had, he invested. Yeah, Twitter. That's, that's fantastic. And yeah, so, he got more lucky than me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, but he put, his, he put his all into that company. He was yeah. like talking to him every single day. He's like, I don't have his money and I invested in it. I got to make it happen. So right. like, that's, that was so a different type like, of risk. Yeah, but you weren't far off from that. I, my life savings was at the time in this company. Like I had a, I borrowed it. I borrowed it from my father-in-law. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, but he actually was like, you know, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to invest in you and give you a loan wow. to put into this company because it really made me like work my ass off. I don't want to disappoint him myself or the company yeah. that I was invested in now. So I had a real reason to kind of make this work. Um, and we have, you know, the last past five years have not been easy at all because media is like the worst business to be in sometimes, you know, and now, especially it's hard to make money and you have to get really creative and yeah. the hours added up and, you know, thinking about new ways to make money is big for us. We've always been trying to make new ways to make, to make things that sustain. Uh, and now I think we figured that out. We understood they have to be very diversified company to, to kind of thrive in this world. I appreciate you sharing that story that, that just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you, when you, when you take those kind of risks and you, and you r roll the dice and you invest more than what you have, or you borrow like, like to get in the game, you had to, you had to take some risks to get in the game. And I think that's a, um, you know, a, a great honest message out there. Not that, you know, we don't necessarily ever give uh, advice, so to speak, but this idea that, um, that it doesn't come easy, that, People that love that can level up have to take risk, and you've got to calculate what's best for you when your time is right. You know, and uh, I just think it's great to, that you share that because people just look at a guy like you and they and they assume that you know you just made all the right moves and you know and so and you did, but but you you, you were really um, you were stuck out there. You were in the wilderness, man. You were in the wilderness, and uh, I was stuck in many jobs. Every job I, I really got to hate after yeah. being there for a number of years. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I had those, those days where I would just sit at my desk and cry. At, yeah. Back at Winter Flowers, I would sit, I had, I had freakouts like, what am I doing here? I'm wasting my 
I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And I would have freakouts. Right. And uh, that was scary. I was like, I got to get out of this thing somehow. So yeah. um, I did eventually. <laughs> but um, people have those all the time still. And, and it makes our lives ripple effect across their entire relationships. It's not just work. It ends up becoming personal life too. Right. And a job can do that. It's really scary. So, you, so, so this is what's cool about You kind of had this moment where you said, I need to bring purpose into my life. I've got to get, uh, you know, alignment and, and what do I stand for? What's my, you know, what is my why? And, 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 and kind of like super important, you center it up on your universe. Right. And then everything, I hate to say it this way, but everything got easier almost in a way. Cause then all of a sudden decisions were more clear paths were more clear. You could be more confident, sure footed about things, even if they on the surface were risky and didn't seem right. You could ignore some things because you, mm-hmm. you, you knew that you knew your path. You knew what you believed in. Right. I think that's huge. I don't think enough people have that and get that. I still struggle with that. And every time I touch it, every time I feel like I, I get close to that place in a lot of my life. Uh, it, oh, it's a great lane, man. It's like it's like flow, you know, the old, you know, flow. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's, a, it's when you're in flow. It's like the whole, you can get in flow and work, but you can get in flow with your, with your life. If you can come to that kind of place. Right. And it may not, you may, hey, you, people might not pick a, a perfectly Zen, wonderful thing like social, uh, you know, ventures and capital like yourself. You know, they, if you, if, if you're, if, I'm sorry, I mean, on the negative end of the spectrum, if, if you're all about, you know, making money and, and you're just money driven, just be honest with that and, and, and lean in on that. Right. Or whatever you're th- if it's, whatever, if it's art or if it's, you know, just making money or if it's whatever, but, but knowing who you are and why you're doing it, I think is like really big, important piece here. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I found that reasoning of why I was doing what, what I wanted to do. And that, that gave me all the confidence to do it like all in, like I had never worked this hard in my life at what I'm doing now. Like I worked 12, 16 hour days without even blinking for five years. And I don't think most people would do that at a job they were getting a paycheck at. Um, and it takes that kind of like understanding, like I'm doing this for a bigger reason, a bigger purpose that I think is really important. Um, and most people don't never know what that ever is. They just have a job and they just, they're content and, you know, they may not love it, they may not hate it, but they kind of just like float through life. And I really, you know, I've been, I, even now, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I, want, I always want more. I always want to see myself do more, help, help people in better ways. And I think our pivot actually is to help us help more people you know, around the world. Um, before we were just having, you know, a very like slow helping curve city by city. Now we can do much more impact faster. So uh, yeah. for me, it's like how much, how much more impact can I have faster? Well, that's what's, you know, that's the, so now you've, you know, you've, uh, you've kind of carved out this purpose in life. Um, so I got a question for you. Um, so you shared a post from uh, Britt Barron last week and, uh, and she posed a question about transformation and, uh, um, and the question was, do you think your life is a reflection of who you want to be or a reaction to the people you don't want to upset? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's, your, what's your reaction to that, your comments on that? So many so years. Was, last week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so many years I was hiding my real self. I mean, this is, you're getting the raw me right now. This is, <laughs> this is me. Uh, but the New Yorker me was not the real me. And even when I moved here, I still was not the real me. I was like hiding behind, like letting myself really be like out there and like open. Uh, and once you tear off that bandaid and become your true self, there is limitless opportunities for you because you don't care what anyone thinks about you anymore. And that's the biggest thing is like stop caring what people think about you and be your authentic self whatever it is. And once you do that, the people that you want to be around you will start to gravitate towards you. And, and when you have that power, that is the most important thing to have. 
is like so knowing cool. who you are, knowing what you're all about, and then you choose who you want to have around you. Uh, before that, you've been trying to like, you know, you may be in a small town in your brain mentality where you're like, I have these 10 brands. That's all I'm ever going to have. Um, so you almost got to move out of that small town in your brain into like the, the large universe of what we have in the world these days. And I think, you know, the internet now has given us that power. Right now more than ever to choose who you want to be and find, you know, people who are like-minded or you want to surround yourself with. Before, you probably couldn't do that. 30, 40 years ago, it was hard to do that if you're living yeah. in one place. You had no other outs to travel yeah, or experience yeah. people and find them out. Like, good luck. I mean, I don't know how people did it, but, but they did it. Um, now, it's, there's no more excuses. There really is no more excuses no. to being afraid of that. Taking that bandaid off, and that's and that's that aligns great with with where by us, right? The newsletter, a newsletter in a, in and of itself, by definition, is you and you, uh, your following and and you being you, so that people are are digging on you, right? They're digging on whatever your your company stands for, your 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 product, and your whatever you're putting out there in your newsletter. So, okay, so where I want to go next, and is about this idea of of advice that we want to give, that you'd like to give people, or that you're giving people today whether they're, and there's two, two pieces of advice I want you to think about. You can pick whichever sure. one you want. You know, one is to individuals that are, you know, they're in jobs uh, that are either you know, maybe losing jobs or are worried about the job furlough or just unsettled, unsettled either sure. way. And like kind of freaking out a little bit, whether they're showing it or not. Right. Like it's, it is, we're all into a certain degree. Right. So what kind of advice you give to the individual. Right. And then, and then over here, the advice you're giving to the startups that you advise and, you, and you're an advisor to several and, you, and the advice that you're giving to startups and how they behave as an organization right now and then how individuals behave. So take that away wherever you'd like to start. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think advice for folks who are stuck in their job or maybe losing their jobs or they're on pause in some way, um, I would say this is the time to really start doubling down on using your time really wisely outside of the time you're working. So you're working eight hours a day. You have, you know, maybe three, four hours at nighttime or in the morning that you can choose to, instead of watching TV or whatever you're going to do, that's, you know, leisure time, use the time to research and meet and talk to people on the internet or on the phone or just reaching out to people to understand what you want to know more about of, you know, like re research what your interests are, your passions inside of you really dive into them and understand what's out there. So a lot of people have that chance now to do that. If they have, if they're off from the job totally, now is the time to really be a ferocious learner, learn and read and, and network you can't, your, your butt off because now is the time, everyone is home right now. Everyone is home and willing to help. Um, right. I've had an easier time now than ever, getting folks to talk to me, to being on shows, to doing Instagram lives, to just emailing back and forth than I ever had before because they have more free time. There's no excuse. They're not traveling, they're not at a conference, they are ready to help. And, and I would add, again, if I, if I yeah. could add to that, they're not only more time, but uh, Chris, it almost feels like too that they, every, they also have this little, little voice in them that says, I need to connect with others. Like I, I need to expand, yeah. like this is, not even, this is an easy opportunity for me to um, expand my, uh, my reach, which is, is kind of a voice telling them to do that, right? And the best thing to do right now is volunteer time. So this is the time now reach, reach, reach out to folks that you want to maybe work for one day or be in their shoes one down the line and say, hey, I will voluntarily offer what I'm good at for you for nothing. Right. And if it's, you know, being a research assistant or being some sort of like intern, even for 40 or 50 years old, there's no reason you shouldn't do that right now if someone you want to be around is willing to take you on. So yeah, I would say 
That's you, powerful. This, we were saying before, like earn your social capital now because all the giving you give now will come back to you tenfold mm -hmm. down the line, some way, shape, or form. Um, and brands can do it. People can do it. Uh, it's the time to really help anyone who, 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 who needs it. This, this people thing, I, I, did you, I, you, you and I talked earlier like a week ago and you shared this piece with me about reaching out to, to volunteer to, you know, identify someone or, that is doing something that you'd like to be doing some point or learn more about, or maybe it just, it's a beacon for the direction you want to go with your career, right? It may not be exactly right, but you know, it's a step. Did you like, I sh literally that day, I think I shared with you that day, I had a young man reach out to me. Um, with that exact proposition, like you, we all get hit up on LinkedIn and some, I'm getting mm -hmm. problems. we always get, you know, people wanting something and trying to sell you something and all that good stuff. And this young man reached out to me and just basically in the most amazing way, just said, Hey, um, I have a job. I'm in my job. I, I, I like what you're doing. Um, I'd love to be, um, I'd love to be of help and, and help. And I almost stopped reading because it was going to end probably with some soft little, I love to buy, I'd love to pick your brain kind of thing. Where <laughs> I don't, you know, we don't have time for a lot of that. I just thought it was going to end in a, in a, a typical soft, you know, non impactful way. Yeah. But I read one more sentence and he said, I, um, I want to give you about four, I want to give you four hours of my time a week. If you'll take it. Did you take and it? I was like, and I look, and I looked him up on his LinkedIn and, 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 uh -huh. and he's actually no, no junior kid. Like he's, he's uh, moved, he's got a good number of years experience. He's legitimately doing a great job in his, in his, in his job, job. Um, he, he's not, he's, he's no, it's uh it's like, I was like, wow. Like, and, and, and you can imagine now too, people don't realize like how grateful I am. Right. Like, so he doesn't get treated like an intern. He gets treated no. like, right. Like, like he's a like, partner with you now. <laughs> he's that, a partner. That is, like, that is a wonderful time I, to do that. Yeah. It's incredible. Most like, people don't follow up. That's a problem. Yeah. People don't understand. Like when someone says, and they say, Hey, you know, give me a call or I'm open to helping you. They don't, they don't follow up with you. It's really yeah. wild. Like I'll do talks with people and there'll be like 20 students and I'm saying, give an email, send me a note. And like, no one follows up. I'm like, that's strange. Like, <laughs> What's going on? Like you guys got to have something you want to talk about or like dive into or kind of help you with something. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, people are scared. Oh, the, the ones that do, they, they thrive. Right. And this idea of just the idea of leading with value, I think is the big message that I heard from you. Like, you know, I want to, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for you to help me. I want to help you first. Like, and I'm not even going to be specific. Like, I am willing to do whatever you need. I want to help you. Like that's a dramatic cut through the noise kind of a message, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because so many people offer to help me, but they want to help me do the thing that they basically is their thing that they already do and indirectly is trying to right. get to do their thing. They want me to do something that they know or that they maybe even if they're not selling it, but instead of getting in my world and understanding what my priorities are and what I really need right. help with, trying to say the other thing, yeah. a whole different it. viewpoint, right? I think it's just so powerful. I'm going to actually, I've been so inspired by it. I want to use it in myself. Like I'm, I'm already targeting a few people right now that I want to offer a little bit of help with and, and find out what they need. Right. Um, so anyway, I thought that was, that was just incredible. I couldn't wait for you to share it on, on the show. Um, as far as uh, startups go, what is the advice you're giving mm -hmm. startups as a group? I mean, I advise uh, seven startups and every conversation has been the same. A, it was first, take care of your team. Take care of your employees. Make sure everyone is taken care of whichever way you can do that. You know, conserve them as much as you can. Give them the leeway to have a life that's probably going to be much more fuller now because they're probably home with their kids or situation. They need more time to themselves. Give them that 
you know, leeway too. So make sure it's taken care of, keep as many as you can. Um, conserve as much, as much cash as you can right now. So cut down any non-essential expenses. That is super important. And then this is the time to really think about your business model. Like what is essential and what is not essential in what you're doing and what's driving the most impact. Go to that, that, that rule of 820. What's bringing me the most impact? Double down that. Cut all the non-essential stuff that you can right this yeah. second. And then think from now, what's going to happen now that's going to change for the next 6, 12, 18 months? And what can you capitalize in the short term that can become an asset for the long term? So right. we did that. Prime example, our company pivoted in the middle of this to becoming a back-end for all newsletters because we saw that, hey, a lot of papers are going to struggle and maybe fold. And they need someone to help them keep the lights on in some way, shape, or form. So find out what places are really in the most need. And if something you do to get involved in that world and help them maybe get out of it, that's a new business line for you. So now is the time to think about ways to innovate um, yeah. in as much as you have time to do. Right. Yeah. But don't take two and jump. Pick one thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> don't do 10 things. Don't have 10 products. Have one. Right. And then have your team bought into it too. Really take time to open up your, your back end of what your company is going through saying, this is how much money we have in the bank. We have this many months to live. This is what we're doing. We have to get to X number of milestones to get to move on. Right. And some startups are in that situation. They only have six months of yeah. money in the bank or less. Um, you know, they all apply for the loans from the, from, from the government. Um, a lot of people didn't get them yet because they ran out of money so fast. So actually on that grant program for the PPP, apply through a very small credit union or a small yeah. bank because they have less competition. That's right. um, we were lucky to apply for one and, and we got one because we went to a much less, you know, larger bank. So yeah. through the Bank of America, they have millions of people applying. You know, we went to a small bank actually in Tampa totally. that helped us out, which was, which was great. Um, so, you know, you have to maximize also. Now it's time to double down your relationships with people. So really, really invest in people that you know you want to work with the long term. Um, and as a startup, you know, that's, your investors need to come now and help you out. So it's not just money. It's more their network connections and their expertise. Um, you should be having calls with your advisors every two, every two weeks at minimum. And your investors every two weeks at minimum say, hey, this is happening. This is what the update is. Like really keep them involved. Keep them close to you because when it's time to, you know, you need a lifeline, those are the folks that are going to become your, your savers. Yeah, you just said a lot there, man. And that last part about staying in touch with your advisors, your investors is really important. It's something we always coach our our founders at the Wave, Tampa Bay Wave Accelerator, where you know that I spend time with 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 um, our startup founders, and and that's one of the things that that uh, that often gets forgotten, and 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 how important it is to you. To your point later, you need them later, so you need to dig your well before you're thirsty, and and, and <laughs> those really, keep those relationships going. Something else that I think is important. I, I'm, I, it's kind of a negative thing, but I like to use it like you, you need to, you need to go ahead and uh, create artificial urgency. You may have real urgency, but you need to create as much artificial urgency as you can in your life and because um, you'll be so glad you did later. And, and we talk about it in the previous shows. If, you know, plan for the, you know, you know, uh, plan for, you know, work, <laughs> expect, but Expect the worst, whatever. I forget how I say it. I think I messed plan up. Plan for the worst, expect the best. Thank you, right. Thank you, right. Yeah. Well, actually, neither one. Plan for the worst, expect the worst. That's what I was getting stumbled. Oh, okay. Really both, right? Um, because and then you and then be <laughs> but then, but then when it, then it's not as bad, you, you're like surprised right. and you can and you can enjoy sandbag it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, but, but people need really tangible like things to hit. Like I need to get to this by X number of days, and like that's. Yeah. Break it down in much smaller chunks. Like we, we use a really good six-week sprint cycle, and it's basically done in two-week sprints of a larger sprint. So they know what they're doing the next two weeks, and this is all they're doing. Like keep their job roles really, really focused these days. Don't have them doing ten things. Have them do one or two things really well. 
Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And I think this is a gr this is great advice. You bowled it down really nicely for folks that are out there. Um, well, you know, Chris, I think, uh, you know, we're kind of coming up to the end. I, end. I wanted to end on that topic because I think it's a great, great place to end with advice for individuals, uh, advice for, uh, for companies. Um, I think before we go, unless there's something else that jumps in, um, maybe one more little plug for Where By Us and just because in, in context, sure. a little bit in context of what we just talked about. Like, so someone has been watching this podcast, like, man, Chris is cool and this is cool. I like this guy and all this good stuff. They may not have been interested in the front, the first part of the, the hour, you know, yeah, okay. But now they're like, okay, he's got my attention. This, this guy, uh, tell me more about Where By Us. And so, and also yeah. how fit in with a company that, might need to pivot or they might need to monetize mm -hmm. they might need to get um, might need to make some moves right now. For sure. For sure. So on the whereby, uh, you know, platform, I really want anyone who is a content creator or has a, an audience on email to call us or answer our, our, our wait list uh, queue because now is the best time to kind of maximize your relationship with your community via email, via text uh, and via content creation. So there is literally no, you know, business I know of that doesn't operate on content or building a community. Those are your two if essential things. If they don't, they should, they should be. A hundred percent. You need to act like a media company. Even if you're selling a sweatshirt brand, I don't care what you need to build a community of people and you need to build the way you engage them through making quality content that, that was made for them. So knowing your audience is like super important these days. So uh, I welcome anyone who's doing that type of business to, to you know, apply for a wait list and I'll see it directly. So it's a whereby.us backslash wait list. And how, how do they, and how do they, uh, and what's the monetization piece of that? Or just put a fine, uh, describe that for me one more time. Yeah. So we're starting our first tool around newsletters uh, and sponsorships with newsletters. So if you have a newsletter you're sending out, there are ways to have brands that are aligned with you sponsor your work. Uh, and then, you know, for them, they're advertising what they're working on. So it's more yeah. of like aligned brands that make sense for your audience. So um, if you are a sweatshirt brand, you want to find maybe other, you know, folks who are in that culture world to, to sponsor your work that may be aligned for your audience. So there's really like the, the, the options for people right now um, are pretty open and the startup is never easier these days to so start a newsletter. You can do it within one day. So um, start getting people's emails and their, and their phone numbers. That is the most the biggest thing to do right now is get, get your audience's emails and, and, and phone numbers and start a very intimate, open relationship with them via sending them updates, content, things to do, ways to improve their lives, be helpful to them. So again, that going back to being helpful is what you can do right now. They'll help you thrive right now to get through this insanity we're in right now. Yeah, Chris, that's fantastic. What a great way to uh, end it. The only thing that left I have to ask is I did not realize that you had such an amazing quit story um <laughs> we could do another one if you want no I, I no no i'm gonna i told you i'm gonna have a parallel podcast soon where i'm gonna get into the detail of that because it supports my book and what i'm doing and uh but it's gonna be probably the audio only classic kind of uh way um and uh but that's, that's my only ask is that i can uh that you come back and do that with me later in the year or something is that cool for sure. I'm happy to dive yeah, into it. 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 The best it part it's about a bit it. longer than that. So I can go yeah. into all the details. <laughs> you had, uh, you, you just had, especially someone who had a who risen the ranks and, and had a, an upper, like rose to upper management and had that, you know, quintessential six figure job. Like that's the beautiful part of that story. And that's the part I want to really uh, hone in on. But Chris, it's a, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to uh, edit this a little bit and put it up online and share it in a few, in a few days time. 
Oh, you're welcome, Alan. It's been a blast. And, and uh, congrats on the book. And we'll see you soon, hopefully, in Miami. We're out to travel again. You know, that's true. And please give my uh, best to Randy and Ryder. And, and tell Randy, I'm glad she didn't have to do that therapist job back there. <laughs> Me <laughs> okay. too. Give my best to your family and, uh, and have, a, have a good evening, okay? Thank you, Alan. You too. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye.